Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of On the Blood Trail, a hunting podcast that focuses on discussing today's hunting hot takes, popular topics, as well as some of my own personal hunting experiences. My name is Tyler Slager and I'll be your host. A little bit about myself, I've been hunting since age 12, which is going on 13 years now. Uh, most of my hunting has been in Alberta, a little bit in Saskatchewan, the Yukon, and even in the Northwest Territories. Growing up, I definitely give my dad credit for getting me into hunting. As a kid, we were always going to the archery lanes or going out hunting with my dad, and sometimes successful, sometimes unsuccessful, but we had fun and we were learning how to hunt and we were, we were being exposed to different aspects of hunting and I think that that played the biggest role in why I got into hunting. Growing up as a kid we spent a lot of time watching all the Realtree monster bucks, the, the Primos hunting videos, uh, Drury Outdoors, man you name it we had every video and if we didn't have the video my dad went straight down to the store, he'd pick it up and come home and we watched the whole thing. And uh, so it gave me this idea as a kid that when I went out hunting for the first time, I was going to get one of these monster bucks that they were shooting in the Realtree video because they, they're all doing it, so why can't I? And not knowing how big the deer was that was in front of me at different situations, I always thought, no, nope, I want to pass on that deer. I can get a bigger one. And... I passed deer after deer after deer to the point where my dad was scratching his head wondering why I wasn't shooting anything. My little brother that was just crazy over hunting was blown away that I'm not shooting all these deer because he would have if he could have. And it resulted in me being skunked in my first hunting season. And so what I would say got me really hooked into hunting was actually the following spring we went out bear hunting it was my first time being bear hunting we're quadding around we're going down all these different cut lines and trails and i was just having fun quadding like that was that was a blast to me and we come down this this trail and as we're coming up to where the hill kind of dips down there's a bear feeding down there and so we stopped the quads there's no idea we're there. Gives us plenty of time to get the gun ready, get it loaded, uh, get set up, and get ready to shoot this bear. And uh, I don't know if I was just feeling a little bit of nerves or just probably just the whole situation. It, it, was, it was a lot to take in. I was, I was going to take a shot, try and get this bear, and uh, jumped or something, missed the bear. We go down and check for blood. There's no blood. Walk into the bush a little ways to see if we can see if maybe it didn't start bleeding until it got into the trees. And uh, there's a fresh pile of bear poop. And my dad looks at me and says, yeah, you missed it clean. It's, uh, it's not going to be in here anywhere. And uh, so we get back on the quads. Decide we're going to go and uh, check out a new area. We... Hadn't found any other bears that afternoon. It was so hot. We, uh, we were actually pouring our water out of our water bottles onto the quad seats because we didn't want to burn ourselves on the hot leather. And uh, so we ended up loading these quads up, 
get in the truck we're gonna go over and check out a totally different area because it's just no bears moving in that spot right and uh, so we're heading over to this new area we round this corner and up on the hill feeding in the ditch is this black bear and the wind is perfect situation is perfect so we get ready we start to stock up on this bear and we get to within a hundred yards of this bear and uh, get all set up I got plenty of time I'm focused I'm getting ready to take my shot squeeze the trigger bang bear flinches hard takes off running into the trees and uh, to me being 13 years old I, I, I just got a bear it was my first animal it was it was a surreal feeling and at, at that moment I would say I was hooked on hunting and to the point actually where the uh, the following fall because we played hockey growing up I decided that I was gonna quit hockey because I wanted to spend more time hunting I didn't have time to go do hockey practice or hockey games on the weekend I wanted to go hunting I wanted to be out there chasing deer and, and, and bears and whatever else my dad would take us out to, to go hunting. So hockey was a thing of the past and every uh, every chance we got we were out hunting and I was hooked. Simple as that. And I think another thing with having shot a bear as my first animal, like for me bears are my favorite animal to go hunting for. There's just something about getting in close on a, on a predator that's that high up the food chain and and trying to outsmart a bear reading their body language and just the entire experience is just so much fun and it's just so cool to be able to watch a bear do its own thing uh, it's just so much fun to to be around and 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 take it all in and, and watch them do their own thing because people don't see that kind of stuff all the time and aside from black bears, there's so much I enjoy about hunting all these other different animals. Whether it's trying to do a successful stalk on a big mule deer buck, or patterning a big whitetail and trying to catch him off guard at the right moment, or even trying to call a bull elk away from his herd, or even call a bull moose in. And there's so much that's uh, so different and, and uh, captivating really about each experience and even I've been hunting cougars with dogs and everybody seems to harp on hunting with dogs but you don't realize the challenges associated with each different hunt until you've been on them and that's what makes it so enjoyable every chance I can get I'm, I want to be out in the bush I want to be in a tree stand in a ground blind uh, whatever it is whenever I can and as somebody that enjoys doing it so much, it's uh, over the years, it's actually become an addiction. And everything, everything in life seems to uh, revolve around hunting, uh, scouting for hunting, or just getting ready for hunting in general. Like, get days off. It's time to shoot the bow. It's time to make sure you got enough arrows. It's time to make sure your broadheads are shooting good. It's time to go shoot your rifle or, or whatever the case is. It's... Uh, it's a very involved sport and the practice that goes into it is I think most times it's overlooked and people just think they can just go run out there even I had a guy at an archery shop here one time tell me that every year right before uh, hunting season starts uh, for opening day of bow season he'll get guys come in never shot a bow before and they'll be like yeah hey man 
need you to set me up. I need a bow. I'm going hunting next week. And that's just not how it works. Like you got to put in the time and the practice and you got to make sure you perfect the craft that goes into it. You're not just going to be able to go out there and just expect your animals to stand there in a perfect situation. You're not shooting at a target. You're shooting at something with uh, very dynamic circumstances. And that's one of the things I think uh, I'm very thankful for because growing up, my dad was always taking us shooting. I can remember at, uh, when I turned 12, because you got to be 12 to hunt here, they had just changed the rules in the regulations that uh, youth could hunt at age 12 with a bow and a rifle. And it used to be that at age 12 you could hunt with a bow, but then at age 14 you were able to go out with a rifle. So it kind of gave me a better break into it because now my chances are a little bit higher. I could use a gun, but at the same time I can remember when uh, my dad bought me my first bow and arrow and he had a friend and his friend's kid come over, and it was his kid's bow. And my dad asked the kid, he said, well, how much do you want for it? And the kid goes, ah, 200 bucks. So for 200 bucks, my dad bought me this bow. And it wasn't perfect, and I don't know if I could have even gone hunting with it. I mean, probably could. It would have pulled the right amount of weight, but nothing, nothing fancy. I don't even remember what brand name it was. It's, it wasn't any of these uh, more popular ones that are out nowadays. Uh, but I got a bow, I got a bunch of arrows, and I was I was good. I could practice and practice and practice, and I think that's something that really gave me an edge into being able to uh, get a head start. I also think that by getting started into bow hunting at a younger age, it taught me more about the fact that it's not always about the size of your animal, and sometimes it's just about getting an animal. And it's actually changed my outlook a little bit on how I approach hunting. For me as a hunter, the focus should be put more on the experience and the memories you're making while you're out hunting as opposed to the size of the animals that you're coming home with. Because if you're like me when I was 12 and you're going out into the bush and you're telling yourself, I'm not shooting something unless it's a monster buck. And you pass up all these good deer, you pass up a couple of great deer, because you're looking for something that's a giant. There's a good chance you're coming home with nothing. And even sometimes if you come home with nothing, that doesn't mean you had a, an unsuccessful trip. I've had lots of hunting experiences where I come home, I didn't shoot something, but there was something that happened on that trip that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And that's what it's all about. And if you can share those memories with the people that you care about, then that's what makes it so worthwhile. And so my goal with this podcast is to tell some of my own hunting stories and experiences to maybe teach people about things that they didn't realize go on out in the woods or uh, maybe spark some controversy. I love to have some conversations with people that have differing views on, on different topics and we're going to get into a lot of those, whether it's... Uh, the trophy hunting versus the meat hunting or uh, just just different different things that uh, were buzzing around the hunting community and uh, I feel like everybody could have their own take on it and uh, I'm going to give you my take on a lot of these topics and I, I think that we could have uh, we could have some fun with it and I'll take all the feedback that I can get from uh, any of you that are listening 
and I'd love to touch on topics that maybe you guys would want me to, to touch on. Because I think the more that a person talks about these things, the more it educates the rest of the people that are, are in this, uh, this sport or this industry. And maybe you'll actually understand where the other person is coming from. I was trying to decide on what topic I really wanted to, to talk about right now. And I know I've already touched on how I was going to speak about it a little bit later. Uh, but the trophy hunting versus the meat hunting, I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna spend a little bit of time on that, because it seems like if you're a meat hunter, you're a meat hunter through and through, and if you're a trophy hunter, it's exactly the same situation. But uh, they both have their their pros and their cons if you take a, a good look at them. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play the advocate for both sides here a little bit. Uh, so with a meat hunter. The obvious is that you're going to have a full freezer. And it's all organic meat. You don't have to go and get some of the stuff at the store that it's probably got antibiotics. It's not finished in a good way. I mean, you can control all of that. Um, you're going to spend, in theory, you should spend less time out hunting. So that should mean that you're spending less money, less time, because you're, you're, not, you're not being picky. Right? You're going out there, you just want to fill the freezer, you want to, you want to provide food for your family. Uh, you, you don't have to guess what size your animal is or if the antlers are big enough. If you're meat hunting, you don't care. And you're still going to have the fun experience that goes along with it, and you're going to have something to tell your buddies, and they're going to be like, hey, well, where did you get this, uh, I don't know, let's say sausage, because everybody's got to bring their jerky and their sausage to work, and everyone wants to know where it comes from, so you're going to be able to Say, so, yeah, I know I'm a hunter and pump your own tires, all that fun stuff. Uh, and chances are, most guys that I know that are just meat hunters, they're actually butchering their own meat. And that's a good lesson to learn, too. Uh, a lot of people don't, uh, don't do that. They just take it to the butcher shop, and it actually teaches you quite a bit about the anatomy of the animal and uh, saves you quite a bit of money in the long run if you're doing it year in and year out. And uh, which goes back to just saving money on it. And another thing that, uh, from trophy hunting to meat hunting, in my opinion, if you're just a meat hunter, chances are you don't have to be in as great of physical condition because you're not going and doing all these big backpacking hunts like some guys do down in the in the states in Utah and Idaho where you're going chasing elk and you got to be you got to be in peak condition to go and, and be prepared to backpack these things out for miles and miles. If you're just meat hunting, chances are you're just going out there, you're shooting the first animal you can see, you're making sure that it's as close to the truck as possible, and uh, it's a win-win for you, right? And the other thing too is that the, the meat hunters, they're letting these, uh, these good caliber bucks or bulls grow to, to get a little bit bigger because if... That's not what they're after. They're shooting something that's usually smaller and it lets those guys grow. Now on the other side of things, for a trophy hunter, the, the obvious is that you're going to have all this, these bragging rights. And it's, again, another huge conversation starter. And I'm sure you can tell as big of a story as, or as small of a story as you want to behind how you came by getting it. Um, I know a uh, family friend. And his biggest buck that he had hanging in his living room was uh, an interesting story, which I'm sure we got the actual story and other people get a different story. But he just sat down to take a break. 
and this buck walked out in front of him and he shot it. He did. He had uh, no intention of looking for a deer in that specific spot. He didn't do anything spectacular. It just so happened to be right place at the right time. And as a, a trophy hunter, you're getting the meat as well as the trophy. Uh, even if the, the concern or the focus isn't so much on getting the meat for the freezer, but you're, you're, you're accomplishing both goals at the same time. And the other thing with that too is that you're taking out the, the bigger and the more mature animals out of your herd. And that gives the, the smaller animals a chance to grow and, and take over some of those areas that the, uh, the bigger bucks or the bulls were usually pushing them out of. And being a trophy hunter, I think you'd have to be a little bit more in good physical condition. Maybe not with something like whitetail hunting, because you can just find a spot, set up a stand, but, I mean, chasing big bull elk or chasing after a good bull moose, most of the time you're going to have to go into areas that you wouldn't normally go into if you're just a guy trying to go out and, and shoot a little little bull or a, a cow or a doe or whatever it is to fill the freezer. You're, you're actually getting out there and you're trying to put in a little bit more of the legwork. And that also teaches you patience. You're not just going out there and going after the first animal that you see. You're actually trying to learn a little bit more about each animal and you're trying to figure out different ways that you can trick them, so to speak, and uh, find, a, uh, find yourself and them in a situation that you can take advantage of it. And that also means that you're probably a little bit more practiced in hunting and you're spending a little bit more time like I said, trying to learn the behaviors and, and habits of these animals. And so you're, you're kind of doing yourself a favor by teaching yourself more. And that's never a bad thing when you're out hunting because it makes you more prepared for different situations. And the other thing too with trophy hunting is if you're into trophy hunting, the chances are you're going after a few more of those once-in-a-lifetime moments, whether that's going on the mountain, chasing after sheep, or going across countries to, to hunt, say, I don't know, red stag in New Zealand. Animals that you wouldn't normally go after in your own area. So it gives you a little bit more appreciation for the animals that you're hunting for and the conditions that they have to live in. And the fact that you have to go out there and try to conquer the same conditions that these animals live in day to day, it's, it's a challenge and, it's, and it gives you that extra reward. To try and find the best of both worlds between meat hunting and trophy hunting. I mean, like I said, if you're a trophy hunter, you're taking home the meat as well. Uh, me personally, I like to shoot something big. Who doesn't want to shoot something that's of a good size? But the most important part for me is actually bringing some meat home so that my family can eat for the rest of the year. And I'm sure I could accomplish that just by being a meat hunter. But I find that I have a more enjoyable experience going out and trying to learn more about these animals and trying to just enjoy hunting more in general. And it's not about killing. It's not called killing. It's called hunting. And that's because when you go out, you have a chance at getting an animal and sometimes you don't. You might be a trophy hunter and you got all these chances where you could take a shot at these big animals, but then all of a sudden something changes and you don't get that shot off, which is why it's just hunting. And it could be the same with a meat hunter, but the chances are with the meat hunter, you're just going out there and you're going to catch an animal that's maybe not the smartest in its situation. 
and you're taking advantage of that and it's not as much of a challenge. And from my personal experience, the guy that's out there trophy hunting, he's more inclined to actually get out of his truck and go off for a walk and try to find something. Lots of times I'll come by guys and they're just sitting in their truck and you can tell either by their age or their size, sorry to stereotype it, but they're not actually going out for a trophy. They're just trying to shoot something the easy way. And be it legal or not, most of the time not, they shouldn't be doing that because it's not actually hunting. That's where you can draw the line and say that they're just out there for killing. And I don't care how much camouflage you're wearing inside of your truck, that doesn't make you a hunter. And the other thing too is if you're one of those guys where you want to go out there and you got this idea that you're a meat hunter and you're going to shoot the first little buck, probably a spiker of forkhorn because that seems to be the most typical to just walk out for no good reason and throw your tag on it and move on. It, I don't see why, 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 why can't you just go out and buy a doe tag? Like you're shooting the bucks. There's no point in shooting bucks. Like there's a zone that I hunt and all you can shoot is bucks. You can't even shoot those. I mean, you can shoot those, but you got to use your buck tag. But the guys are going out there that don't care about what they're shooting and they're just throwing the head in the garbage afterwards. They're just going out there to shoot a little buck just to say, oh yeah, I shot a buck. And they'll be, their friends will be like, well, how big was it? Oh, it was all right. But they have no proof because they didn't take any pictures and they threw it in the woods. And you could have shot a doe and accomplished the same thing. And you could have said that you shot a buck because you don't have proof anyways. And the same thing goes for elk. So we get areas in Alberta here where, for the most part, it's a three-point on one side rule for elk. And you get guys that seem to go out and they're going to find the first thing that barely cracks what, what's considered legal in the regulations. And they'll put a bullet in it because, well, I got my bull elk. But if you're not caring, why wouldn't you just put in, get the cow tag, it only takes in most areas a couple of years, and chances are you're going out there with a buddy anyway, so you guys can alternate years between the two of you and split your elk and have however much of the elk meat you want every year, instead of going out there and shooting these immature bulls and actually letting them grow and get a chance to become something. Because in Alberta, we don't get these 300-inch bulls. We don't get the 350s, the 400s that everyone else is getting because we don't let them get to size. You're just going out there and you're shooting the first little one that you see and it doesn't let them grow. And it becomes a problem because it could be managed much better if guys are going out there and shooting off some of the cows because then it keeps the, the population balanced a little bit better. And the same thing goes with the deer. If you were to shoot the odd doe instead of all the forkhorns, and then you're wondering why we have no bucks the next year, because the bigger bucks either died or got shot, and then your little bucks are getting a little bit smarter and they're not being found, and the small ones that are getting shot didn't grow because they, they didn't live. Because shooting a doe or a cow is actually very important for the conservation aspect of it. We get areas where you'll get and especially with elk, because you get the lead cow, and if a guy was given a position to shoot the lead cow, then it gives the opportunity for the herd to adjust and grow, and a new cow will take over that position. And maybe the original lead cow wouldn't let some of the other animals eat at certain times or go about doing what they should be naturally because it's old and grumpy, and that's how it works. Same thing goes with deer. We got areas where 
we got white-tailed does that are just grumpy and like to push everything else off of the food sources because they can and nothing else is going to tell them no because they're they're in charge and so it's good to take those animals out of the herd too instead of just shooting the little ones that are are fighting to survive and have a chance to grow and so back to the the making sense of meat hunting and trophy hunting together i, I think in a sense, I'd, personally, I lean towards the trophy hunting aspect of it because you're trying to learn more about it. You're trying to gain a better appreciation for nature in itself. And, I mean, you can be picky. You can have that buck that you're waiting for. And chances are, like, even for myself, there's... I'll put out a trail camera and I'll have pictures of these deer and I'll say, yeah, well, these deer don't quite make the cut. Those ones... I'd have to see them in person to kind of judge it a little bit better. But I'll tell you right now, if one of those ones that I'd have to judge a little bit better walks out, and I think at the, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, I think it's a good buck, I'm going to shoot it. Because I'm more about having a good experience and, and having fun, which you've accomplished by going out and sitting and, and actually having a chance where these, these animals walk by you. And ultimately... You filled your freezer. So the trophy hunting rewards you with the meat aspect of it anyways. And by sitting out there and having a target animal, it also allows for some of these other animals to grow. Now, and the other thing too, so if you're a young person and you're going out there and you want to say, yeah, I just started hunting and your goal is to go out there and shoot a buck or shoot a bull. If you're a, a young fella and you go out there and you shoot a, a spike buck or a fork buck and you're as proud as can be, good on you. That's great. It's an introduction into the sport. My problem is when you're a guy that's been hunting for 10, 20, even 30 years, let's say, and you're going out there and you're still just trying to shoot that spike or that fork. Maybe put in a little bit more effort or maybe take somebody else out with you that will split the meat with you. Like, introduce somebody else to hunting and, and get them more involved instead of just going out there and consistently trying to take out an animal of a certain size. And when you're trophy hunting, there's no guarantee that the animal that you're after is going to walk by you. The whole idea of going after that one specific trophy is that you never know if it's going to come by. You're trying to outsmart what you would maybe consider to be the smartest animal in that, in that timber right now. And so being able to try and pattern them and, and cut them off, that's extremely rewarding on its own. And I know some people also make the argument that uh, the trophy hunters don't care about taking care of the meat at all. And I can maybe understand where that comes from because I know when we go on hunts, say um, I went hunting in the Yukon for moose and I shot a bull. We didn't bring the meat home with us. But we packed it out of the mountains, and we actually gave it to the local food bank, and it fed everybody within that area. And so that's the other part of it, too, is if you're not hunting for the meat, but you're also giving it back to the community, like even in my own local area, we can take it over to different butcher shops, and they have uh, uh, feeding the hungry programs, and you can sign over all your information, and that goes to the food bank, and it feeds the other people that can't get out there and get these animals themselves or have no idea how to go hunting. And sometimes, because I know growing up, 
my dad used to be the one that filled the freezer for the family every year. But as soon as I started hunting and then my younger brother started hunting, all of a sudden you're getting, say you have uh, three deer tags. We have a lot more than that here. But you got three deer tags and so now you're shooting three deer instead of one deer. And that's all this extra meat that maybe you're not going to get to go through and it, it might go to waste potentially because it sits in the freezer too long. And most of the time we try to give it to family or friends that need it, but if they weren't in need of it, then having the option to go and take it to a local food bank or a, a hunger program is excellent as well because then it's not going to waste and you're feeding other people that need it. And for some of those friends and family members, it maybe they're not in a situation where they're able to, to pay the expense of being able to go to the grocery store and, and constantly be buying meat. And I know people say, well, I'll go buy half a beef or a full beef, but a lot of people can't afford to pay all that down at one time. And so by being able to give some of this wild meat to your family and your friends, you're helping them out as well. So what I guess I'm saying is if you're going to be a meat hunter, you go and do your thing. Just don't be that guy that's out there shooting every spike deer or fork deer just because you're too lazy to go after something a little bit better. And don't be that guy that's out there shooting the, the legal minimum requirements all the time on a moose or an elk or whatever else is out there. Because there's better ways to go about getting meat for your freezer in a conservation sense. And get out of your truck. You don't have to sit in your truck and shoot things off the mirror because for one, it's not legal. And for two, it's extremely lazy. So... Edge goes to the trophy hunter in those situations, but those guys that are going out there and being honest about it and actually getting onto their feet and going for a hike or a walk, you don't have to go down to the hardest spot that there is to find something to actually find animals, but you're putting in the work and you're being rewarded for it, so good on you. And I think that if you're out there and you're doing a mix of it, kind of like what I do, that's awesome. You're having a fun time. And it's, like I always say, it's more about the experience and, and how much fun you had. And there are memories that are going to last you forever. And nobody can take that away from you. And if you get a good trophy in the process, then that's an added bonus. And if you're going on these hunts that are more on the exotic scale and people are still giving you a hard time about maybe not bringing all the meat home because... Let's face it, it's near impossible to, if you're living in, say, southern USA and you go up to Alaska on a moose hunt, chances are you're probably not going to be able to bring all of the meat home at once. If you do, that's awesome. Or maybe they took part of the animal home and donated the rest to the food bank. People will try and find whatever they can to get stuck on and, and be upset about. But if you're doing your due diligence and none of the meat goes to waste, then you did your job. Another thing that I think goes into uh, the health aspect of wild meat is that not only are you getting meat that's better for you consumption-wise, but most of the time you're putting in this physical effort that is how you ended up getting the animal. So it's a win-win in that situation as well. There's always going to be pros and cons to everything involved with uh, hunting and everybody's opinions on how you're going about doing it. 
And I know even some people try to go into it just from the conservation standpoint with, uh, say, with predators. Because I, I know in our area here in Alberta, you don't actually have to consume the meat from predators. And so some people go out there and they're shooting the animal and they preserve the hide because that's by regulations, that's the requirement. And then they toss the meat away. It's legal. Some people frown upon it. But under the same token, there's risks associated with eating that meat that some people don't want to take. Similar to, say, eating something with chronic wasting disease, uh, maybe not the exact same risks, but you're also doing your part in conservation and, and helping the ecosystem thrive because you're balancing out the spectrum from predators to prey. And that's also a very important part of it. That pretty much wraps up this episode of On the Blood Trail. Like I said before, if you have any feedback or any other topics you'd like me to discuss on a future episode, let me know. On the Blood Trail can be found on Instagram and Twitter, at On the Blood Trail, uh, or even on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, go and look up On the Blood Trail. We have a page there as well. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen. We'll see you next time.